But that's really like changed in the past couple of weeks. <laughs> it's a global pandemic. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah. So um, let's just get this started right away. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Frick Squad Show. I have on a very special guest today, Andy DeBarossi. Did I say it right? I've never actually had the opportunity. Hey, bud, how you doing? Doing well. DeBarossi. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, I'm glad you're, to have you on today. You're a post-it note man. I can see that. Oh. We're on video right now. Yeah. I <laughs> am a post-it note whiteboard type of guy. I actually, these are all like the goals I've done for this year and things like that so far. This is my plan. I'm working on them. And well, everything's changed with my goals in the past couple of weeks. So I'm having to replan everything. But I mean, that's just what you got to <laughs> do right now. So, yeah. How are things? Did you put a Did you put a post note on the wall that just says "survive"? Is "survive" one of them? Uh, basically, it's more like yeah, not try to get myself into trouble right now with everything. It's like I went to see my buddy in Grand Rapids on Sunday, and I was like, "Wow, that really pushed the limits to everything." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I just went to see him to drop something something off. I was like, even then, I was like. That was a bit ballsy now comparing everything to it. So I was like, I got lucky on that one. But um, just to give everyone some background around you, Andy, um, because I don't think a lot of my listeners know who you are. But basically, Andy, besides right now developing his own hand sanitizer and distributing it out during this pandemic... You're also known for being uh, the Thunderdrome, the mm-hmm. TED Talk uh, around it. You're mm-hmm. a rally car driver. You're a mm-hmm. maker, builder, inventor, um, entrepreneur, mm-hmm. Detroit bus <laughs> company founder, and philanthropic leader throughout the city of Detroit that consistently gives back. If it's through a ride, through field trips, to handing out scooters to schools and kids around the neighborhood, this is what you do, right? Well, it sounds pretty wild all in one place like that. I mean, I don't know. It's a, yeah, it's a pretty good summary. <laughs> <laughs> you do a lot, sir. You definitely do a lot. And now, of course, well, because I was thinking a lot with this on definitely why you picked up hand sanitizer was... You've definitely been a won't-let-it-stop-you kind of attitude from what I've got from working with you and, you know, just your overall general vibe because something that I wanted to ask you was, like, how did you get into producing hand sanitizer? Like, what made you pick this out of everything? Because I also saw you post at one point on something on trying to build your own mask, if that's right. Right, right. Well, um, you know, like a lot of the things I've started, it came out of frustration, right? Like we're stuck right now, just like public transit 10 years ago got me to start the bus company. Um, You know, we're in the middle of a global pandemic that probably could have spread a lot slower if our governments had acted properly. Um, You know, the reaction is pretty slow right now. And then with all of the hoarding and the lack of supply chain, it just really... It, it, it frustrates me in a bad way that we're out of masks and gloves and hand sanitizer and, of all things, toilet paper. It's just frustrating. And so 
Um, I first set off to build a mask factory because that's the most pressing need right now for healthcare workers. Um, but I found time and time again, it's about $5 million to uh, set up a mask factory. And I'm not a $5 million man. That's, and that's just your basic basic mask setup, right? Like just That's your, that's your N95 mask. So it takes a uh, melt-blown, non-woven fabric, uh, which is like plastic pellets, sprayed super fine onto a, a mandrel um and these machines are very hard to come by they take six months to set up um for all the reasons it was a not a not a good idea i was talking to sellers in china i was talking to sellers down south and i talked to probably 10 different mask machine companies and just hit a brick wall um but then the world health organization published a manual on how to make hand sanitizer and so we're doing that Wow, because that's actually why I was wondering where you got the ingredients for making it and, like, how long it took from you from just reading it to actually understanding it to making your first, like, small bottle. Did you start with something small or did you go right into big batch? No, I mean, our first order of material was um, 290 gallons of material because, I mean... The, the formula is pretty simple. It's three-quarters isopropyl alcohol, a little bit of glycerin, a little bit of um, hydrogen peroxide uh, measured out, um, and then filtered water uh, or distilled water. And so when you read a, a recipe like that, it's like, wow, I mean, it's not that hard. Like, There's not too much you can screw up as long as you keep your area clean and all that. Um, so I called no less than 30 different places trying to find the isopropyl alcohol. I mean, I called everywhere i called every chemical supplier called everybody i knew i called chemists i called professors nobody um had any and i finally found my first four barrels at a like marijuana processing equipment like grow op store <laughs> really? <laughs> real they they used to clean bongs yeah wow <laughs> <laughs> God damn, and then uh, so, <laughs> it's just funny where the supply chain is leading everyone now to like trying to find these ingredients. And so that was just for your first batch, and you were able to get enough to make 290 gallons? Uh, yeah, that was for the first batch, and then we bought the same load again from the guy. Um, I, I just called him every day, and every day he told me, I don't have any more, I don't have any more. But he had some once, so he's going to have some again. Um, and so eventually, uh, he came into some more, um, and I was like, I'll take it right now. I'm on my way. (laughs) It's not sticking around long. Um, and I even called the company on the barrels that made it to see if I could get it. And, um, they said they are not selling it, uh, to anybody that's not an existing customer, you know, and it's marked up dramatically. It's normally, um, you know, it's, it's, it's normally 50% of the price that we paid per drum, but. Um, in a pandemic, everything goes through the roof. You and know? it's funny and because we've got some quotes that are five times what it is when normally, you know. And this is just for your basic like sixty gallon barrel drum or something like that, like that kind yeah, of size. It's, it's a fifty five gallon uh, drum of isopropyl alcohol, which is just rubbing alcohol. It's the exact same stuff um, that you'd use uh, in a medical setting. This is um, 99.98% pure, and so it's uh, very, very, very uh, pure. Um, it's made for, like, laboratory reactions. It's actually kosher, which is kind of funny. Wow. <laughs> like, I guess it matters if, you're, if your pharmaceuticals are kosher. I, I didn't know that. Um, I thought it was just food. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so normally in your, in your bathrooms, you know, counter, you'd have a 70% isopropyl. So, yeah, yeah. um, it's like basic rubbing alcohol for wounds and things like that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. This is the, the industrial grade version of that. So, um, yeah, brought it back and, uh, uh, mixed up. I did a batch myself. I think we went from finding the ingredient list to making our first batch in, I think it was three days, maybe four days. And how, I think it was four days. How big was your team? Was it just you or was it multiple people helping you out? It was me just alone in this building here um, sourcing all this stuff. I just couldn't, you know, we laid off the whole Detroit bus company staff because of the pandemic, you know, hopefully temporarily. Um, and so we, we just it was my crazy idea. I didn't want to drag anybody into it until I knew more about it because it might not lead anywhere. But once we had the material on the ground, I had the bottles, I had the mixing equipment, I had the measuring equipment, I had the process down. Um, once I had all that in place and I could give people jobs, like clearly like go do this exact thing. Yeah. Um, that's when I brought people in. So um, we had about five people come and volunteer, uh, mostly from the bus company and, uh, yeah, we made, uh, I think we made four or 500 bottles the first day and about the same the second day. How many, and so basically when, so you're talking about from the time you saw the ingredients on how to make it to actually getting a team to making it and securing the ingredients and telling them specific directions only took you three days. Uh, yeah, I would say, I would say probably three and a half days. I think it was from like a, an afternoon to a morning of about three and a half days. And was that you started your first batch or was the first batch complete at that point? Um, the first batch for me was, uh, like a little experiment. Like I had all the, I had the big barrels of ingredients, but I just did a batch by myself because it's too hard to develop a process when people are staring at you. Oh yeah. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, it was it was fast. Um, it was really fast because I feel an urgency. Uh, you know, lots of people want this stuff, but more importantly, the more we can get out there, especially when it comes to hospitals and first responders and uh, senior living centers, like we're going to decrease the rate of transmission. And yeah. um, so every hour, we're not shipping product. It just it feels anxious. You know, it just feels bad. Um, and like anybody, like I'm sure doctors feel the same way that you need to give yourself rest. You need to recharge. So I was about to um, ask, have you gotten you know, sleep? I, I was, what's that? Have you gotten any sleep recently? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've been doing pretty good. Um, okay. I was doing like 14, 15 hour days while I was figuring this stuff out. Um, and then, um, later when I, uh, had the process in place and the people I'm, you know, I'm working like a, 12 hour day now, which is fine. Like it's, it doesn't really feel like that. It doesn't feel that bad. Um, you know, it's just like what you do. Uh, mm-hmm. so tonight I'm going to get home at a reasonable hour and <laughs> sleep, <laughs> sleep a full eight. Hey, there you go. There you go. But so then you literally now are just rolling with it straight up. You got, because at one point I saw you also post that you secured a whole train cars worth of ingredients. Is that correct? Well, we're working on the train car. So the, the problem is, is that everybody is trying to buy this kind of stuff. But um, some of the major producers have been told by the federal government just to make unlimited quantities and to get it out there, like like run production three shifts a day, seven days a week, distribute, distribute, distribute. 
Um, and so we got in line for one. Um, doesn't mean we're actually going to get one, but uh, I reached out to a friend who has a rail yard. Um, he does a uh, uh, sort of chemical processing. And I said, hey, can I, can I park a train car of uh, hand sanitizer here at your rail siding? <laughs> um, <laughs> he was totally cool. He's, he's very, very, very helpful. Thank you, Jason. Well, um, I was about to say as well, like how many people have you been helping you out? Because you've obtained like labels. Well, now you've got a rail yarn to leverage if you need it. You've also like had to get bottles. Like I saw like, because I was also thinking about the bottles, like the hand pumps as well, like trying to yeah. secure that kind of stuff. Like how has that, because that's just after you get the ingredients and then are able to bottle it. So you have like two kind of supply chains that you're fighting with demand on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, um, you know, it just takes a lot of phone calls and a lot of comparison and a lot of like, um, I've got a, a pretty badass spreadsheet. It's like a ton of tabs. <laughs> um, and they're all codependent. So if I change one value, it updates where we're at. Um, you know, needing to make sure that, uh, you account for every little piece, you know, so you can, you can batch 10,000 bottles of stuff, but you get to the end and you realize you don't have an FDA compliant label. You're hosed, you know? Wow. Um, I didn't even think I mean, about that. Like FDA compliant. Yeah. Oh, you want to hear about compliance? Uh, we've learned all kinds of stuff. Um, turns out shipping hand sanitizer is a hazardous material. And so we have to ship it um, through some different process that I had no idea about. Um, processing isopropyl alcohol and other things is regulated by the TTB, uh, this Bureau of uh, Tobacco and Alcohol and all the fun stuff. Um, yeah, it's a division of the IRS. Who knew? Uh, yeah, it just keeps going. You wow. know? It just like it, it's <laughs> it's regulation all it's regulation all the way down and. Uh, I get it. Like normally people aren't making hand sanitizer in a rush so you can do all this crap, but um, man, there's a lot of stuff in the way. <laughs> I, well, it sounds like it because I was about to ask, like, are you able to distribute it? Like, because I know you are doing this so quick and you have an entrepreneur mindset, like you think about what's the quickest and easiest way to deliver some of these things. And I was going to re get ready to ask you if you had like put it in your car or used one of the buses to start delivering it to people. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we are going to deliver it locally. So we do do local pickup. It's a, it's a, you know, safe local pickup with like a, you know, the six foot uh, gap. Um, we are, um, uh, going to deliver some of it locally you know some of the larger orders it just makes more sense to deliver it um and the small ones you know we want people to feel safe when they order this um and then uh yeah we're going to ship it and so i'm going through the whole ups uh, hazmat shipping training class tonight to learn how to be a regulated hazmat shipper whoa you gotta um, take a class and uh <laughs> There's a class. There's a class online. Yeah, seminar. <laughs> so you have so to, like, like it just keeps going, and that's just, just keeps going. I mean, the complexity, it. and that's just to do a basic shipment of like a basic like you could say a half gallon thing of hand sanitizer. You have to take a glass to ship yeah. if you plan to ship anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Anything more than a quart. So. Quart or less, you can just label the box, like, don't put me on a plane and only ship it by ground, and that's fine. You know, it's, it's uh, like, 
less regulated. Um, but anything more than a quart, and it's got to be in the special packaging, and it's and this and that. And, um, I get it. It's important. Um, you know, we want to follow all the rules, and we are. So, like, with the TTB stuff, um, you know, we applied for that permit. Um, we, we might move on to, uh, honestly, we might move on to buying pre-mixed hand sanitizer, like like I said, by the train car, and then just bottling that. It's a lot less onerous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just helping that get out to, you know, Detroit and, uh, uh, you know, folks who need it. Like we've gotten calls from so many places, hospitals and, um, uh, police departments and fire departments and public works and road commissions. And just, it's, if it's an organization, you name it, they've called us asking, you know, can they get 400 gallons, 500 gallons, you know, just unlimited quantities basically yeah just asking for anything they can get their hands on because they need it at this point because they're all just so essential and one thing that i really think about with this is how much before this like a lot of people took like the simple things for grateful like i really thought shipping something would be that easy like and i know there would are these restrictions in place but it's just like when you now need to like you said produce multiple things at a given time it's like how many hoops you have to jump through to make sure you can even do it right because you might be trying to actually help and you could get in trouble from a legal standpoint yes you were you followed things to a compliance with the ingredients and things like that but because there are these red tape things in place at certain times they actually you know hinder the support of it because like are you yeah i yeah i just like think about how a lot of stuff like before this like people thought they had all their stuff together like they really thought they had it made and how quickly this brought to revelation like how people weren't prepared and how lucky we are to have individuals like you who find power through frustration and are able to start something and not just sit on their hands because that's one thing that like out of everything that's gone on you're the clear one in that i see and very lucky to have a relationship with to be taking such pure of action like this in these kind of scenarios because honestly i'm just interviewing you and i have i know to like make this short so you can get going (laughs) But, like, even then, it, like, made me think on, like, what am I doing in these steps? Like, I know, like, social distancing, and that's what people need to think of, like, what can they do in their control in this situation? But you took it to a whole nother level further with that. And I just want to commend you. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, uh, you know, the, the the whole thing is just, like, Every time we do one of these projects and we deliver on our promises, like we get the ability to do more of it and to do it bigger. Like if I hadn't been doing this the last 10 years, these sort of things, um, it would be very, very hard to assemble a team and to, you know, have the facility and to have the confidence and the ability to put, you know, $8,000 worth of alcohol on my credit card. Like it's, <laughs> it's me. It's means, you know, it's not just all, um, grit and and it's the privilege of being able to do this and that comes from doing this over and over and over again you know my first venture was just um you know selling car parts basically out of a warehouse when i was 16 
And, uh, you know, nobody knew me then. And it's, um, it's a lot harder to do something like that. It's hard to get the word out. Um, so I really think there's value in putting roots down and doing, um, reliable work over and over and over again. And like, this is not to say I've not failed. (laughs) There have been things that I have failed. Um, there are people who I'm sure if you asked about me would say, never, ever trust that guy. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you don't, you don't, you don't win them all. Um, but I think if you put your best foot forward, you don't overcommit and you try your best. And it, this all sounds like BS, but like if you keep doing that, I think on average you will you will succeed and you will grow and people will entrust you with more things, you know. Um, but it's uh, it, it can be it can be disheartening if you're you know 18 years old and you haven't had any big products to your name yet and you want to do something like this. Um, there's really not a great way for you to jump into that unless you have wealthy parents or something. But um, yeah, not everybody's gifted with that opportunity, <laughs> and that's no. the thing. So one thing I no. was actually gonna say with that is, if people do want to help, um, are you taking more onto your team right now, or are you trying to find ways and opportunities f- to help people? Right. Or help out, like have people come um, and help right you. now. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. Right now, I would say the the we're trying to keep the team small for safety reasons, just because like we're all working in close quarters. We're wearing the masks and using the gloves, but um, there's only so much you can do. So I think we have enough volunteers now for this round. Not to say we wouldn't do more in the future. Um, I don't want to rule that out. Um, but for right this minute, I think we're probably all set. Well, and that's what I like kind of as soon as you brought up, I didn't think about was the actual safety restrictions on it, like making sure everybody in the warehouse is like six feet apart from each other, you know, has mask and they're properly safe with everything that is going on. Um, right. Also, another thing that I'm wondering with your distribution, because you kind of brought it up earlier, hinted at it is hoarding like a hoarding products right now is that something you're also seeing in certain because i know you're doing small batches and big batches like how you're selling it have you had to put any restrictions on who you're selling it to and things like that um we have a maximum order quantity of 10 uh units unless you um were to call us and to you know explain you know you're with uh I don't know, a fire department, a fire department can buy however much they want. (laughs) You know, like we we don't want to limit, um, buyers like that. Uh, but you know, part of the challenge is, uh, you know, a lot of people have legitimate uses for lots of it. Um, Mm. like a senior living center, they want to have a bottle in every room, you know, and they could have 700 rooms. And so I think the only answer is for large companies to scale up and get this stuff out there. You know, I, in a way I want to be put out of business. You know, I don't want to be blending hand sanitizer the rest of my life. <laughs> I, w- I would prefer there is a surplus and uh, we can get it cheaply like we used to before. You know? Oh no, I totally understand. And you are right. The faster you're able to mass produce it, the more it can get out there and start providing more help in that even though you are small scale, you are providing benefits. But if you were able to produce at a higher quantity, how how much exponential that would grow? And so 
And plus, right. you're one of the... You did this by yourself. You didn't wait for someone to tell you you had to do this as a big, major company. You took the grassroots effort to it and hit the ground running. Uh, well, I think there's risk to that. Um, of course, if you are just only in your own echo chamber, you're, you can maybe commit to some bad ideas. But I really strongly believe in not putting your ideas, especially new ideas, out for committee, you know, putting them out on the Internet or asking too many friends or family. Like, it really makes the most sense just to ask a couple people in your network who are interested in you succeeding, like they can't be strangers, and who know about the thing that you're trying to do. So if you're trying to start up a hand sanitizer production company, I would talk to your friend who's a chemist and I'd talk to your friend who maybe does like e-commerce, like selling stuff online. And then I would ask them, Hey, like what challenges am I going to have? And they'll tell you, they'll know exactly what challenges you're going to have. You know, if you just ask him, Hey, what should I know? That's not very actionable, but where is this going to hurt? Um, and they'll tell you cause they've suffered it. Um, if you ask your mom, I mean, like, if mom, if you're listening to this, like, thank you for all your advice. <laughs> she's, she's also our lawyer, so she has a special place, um, which is a privilege in all of itself. But uh, if you if you ask your you know your significant other or your parent or you know you just ask people who don't have expertise in that subject, all they can do is think about like you in that situation. That generally they are more risk adverse than they should be. You know, because to them, if you fail, it's all downside. And if you win, it's like, you know, kind of a lucky break. Like your parents are going to be risk adverse for you. They do not want you to drop out of college because if you stay in college, you might not be that happy, but at least you'll be successful generally. I mean, that used to be the case. Um, But if you drop out of college, like the risk goes up, I guess. Um, And so they, they want you to take the safe path. It's like why parents choose those for you. So, um, don't put your ideas out for committee. Just it, 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 it never hurts just to try something, but don't bet the farm. You don't need to, don't, you know, I knew if I put this alcohol on my credit card, um, that I could pay for it. Uh, it was not put it on the credit card. I couldn't pay off. If this whole thing went bust, I could just pay for it. It would suck, but I wouldn't be homeless. Um, so I would say never take a risk in which, the downside is so big that you could be in real ruin um, and never take the risk on anything where you might end up in jail. It's just not worth it. Wow. I love it. That's some great advice. I especially like love the committee part on making sure you have like you're making sure it's with people that actually are in your best interest. Cause like that's something I do sometimes is like I present ideas to people that are just necessarily experts, but not, friends and then it's like it's like why are you thinking of that and they're quickly to turn the idea against itself where if you're like best interest it's like no they're not gonna say no they're gonna actually make sure they're thinking about every different avenue and that they're not wasting an opportunity and trying to just put a box around something that actually doesn't need restrictions on it yeah well some people have some bad habits like one thing i've noticed a bunch of is um uh, people emailing us, let's say about the bus company asking, Hey, how do I start a bus company? And it's like, there's a few things there. One is like, I just, I'm sorry. I don't have the time. Like if I gave you a short answer, it would, it would 
only hurt you because you you would just come away with enough to be dangerous but not enough to succeed um and if i gave you the full answer like that's consulting i just don't have the time to be a free consultant so i would hesitate to email people who are doing the thing you want to do if they're still working in that field um and just that it's not a good way to go about it also especially if you're if you're talking about doing it in the same market you know um, if someone's like, Hey, I want to start a bus company in Detroit. Like it's impossible for me to separate my incentives and my instruction. Like I, I just, I'm yeah. physically incapable of giving you good advice, you mm-hmm. know, because like I've got people who, who pay their mortgages with the paychecks that we give them and buy food for their kids with the paychecks that we give them. And so me creating some competitor, uh, it, like directly risks that, you know? So like I, when people ask me, Hey, how do I start a bus company? I, the, I say the best thing I can tell you is I, I, I can't help you. <laughs> like that is the best <laughs> thing. Um, if you have to call someone in a space, like you have to have very specific questions and call somebody in a different market. Like oh, if okay. you're in Detroit and you want to start a bus company, call someone in Portland, you know, or call someone in new Orleans, a market like ours and ask them, you know, how they're doing it. it it's just, don't don't put people in a position where they they really can't answer you. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And with that as well, I was kind of thinking, do you believe because you're like saying like reach out to other markets and things like that? I always kind of like think of like situations potentially as like sink or swim or like trial by fire. Do you think that is the best for people's growth in certain situations while like making sure to manage risk properly when doing it? Um, well, I'll say a little bit differently. I would say that, uh, if you knew how hard it is to do pretty much anything in this world, you would just not do it. Um, like I'm amazed that people have kids a second time, like the, after like how hard it is the first time, like to birth a child. Um, it's the same thing with like businesses or, uh, large creative projects or if you sat down and you, you accurately calculated the amount of time and effort and resources and lost opportunity that it would take to do that thing, you would just like sit on the couch and eat Cheetos. You know, it's just like, it's too terrifying to look at all at once. Mm -hmm. So I, I am unfairly biased into saying that I do think jumping into stuff is a good way to get somewhere unique that you might not otherwise end up. Um, but again, with those caveats, don't bet the farm, um, don't risk something good. You know, you don't need to burn the first garage down to build the second garage. Like you can start the side hustle. You can, uh, you know, start the side company without, um, quitting your day job or frequently from dropping out of school. Like once you're so successful that you have literally no extra minutes, to survive because your side hustle is so big, then, then look at quitting the job or dropping out of school or whatever. But until you're really like stretched for time and you're not, you find that you're not screwing around anymore on Reddit or, or watching YouTube <laughs> or whatever, like you've got more time in the bank, right? Like yeah. it's this romantic idea about, you know, giving your boss the middle finger and walking out and starting, you know, the next Facebook, but it's just not realistic. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, no, I'm really happy you said that because I think that's very beneficial for a lot of people to hear just in general when working towards something like especially like the big distraction or the little distractions like that. If you're not willing to give it the effort it deserves 
don't expect the returns on it like you hope for. So, um, yeah, well, well, brother, I know uh, you're a very busy man and you've been working a lot of long hours, so I don't want to <laughs> keep you too much longer. I was just going to ask uh, one last question is, of course, how, of course. Can, how can people help? Donations, is there anything like that they can do like during this time? What actions can people do to help you guys out? Yeah, well, I mean, I would say that you can, if people are interested in, in helping, I would say donate to the firefighters and the hospitals and stuff through us. And just If they want to give the money directly to the hospitals or the firefighters, or go do that. Like, uh, I, I would say there are more efficient organizations out there with money. Uh, Gleaners is a great one. Um, every buck you put into cleaners feeds, you know, like 10 people. Um, but if you're really set on giving money to the Detroit bus company, um, to make this hand sanitizer thing grow, we just got a thousand dollar donation from a Detroit training center. Um, you can go on and you can buy product and hit local pickup. And then in the notes, just put like, donate this locally, you know? Um, I, I would prefer that people do that so that we're not handling money, you know, um, like, could we put money to use? Like, absolutely. But uh, there's just bigger need out there right now. So I, I'd rather have people buy the sanitizer to give it away to um, people. And our website's thedetroitbus.com. And then it's like paying it forward, right? Paying it forward for other people. And then you said detroitbuscompany.com. Well. Uh, thedetroitbus.com. Yeah, you the, got it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Thank you, Andy, so much for all the time. I'm glad we got to do this. I can't wait to do this again with you in the future because, like, I know you got a lot more in your brain because I was ready to talk about the the Tesla rally project because, like, you got to love this. I don't think we've talked about this, but my dad was one of the, like, engineers on the DeLorean and things like that. That was my first time anyone, anyone in my family came to America was for the DeLorean besides, like, my granddad in World War II. But, yeah, I got my dad in a buck, so we got a lot more to talk about, brother. And I hope you stay safe during this time. So, I will, dude. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking interest in my story, and I'm happy to get on the show anytime. Hopefully next time we can do it in person. Oh, yes, and I can always come back to the depot and do it with you. All right, brother. Have a good night, man. Stay safe, brother. Will do. See ya. Bye. Bye.